0: Welcome to The Way Church. We're glad you're joining us for today's message. For sermon notes, service times, and more information, check us out online at thewaychurchva.com. Now let's join Pastor Matt Rothy with this week's message. Our sermon lesson this morning comes from Acts chapter 11. This is the account of Jesus' ascension. I want to invite you to open up your Bibles, devices, or your worship guide to page 9. And I want to encourage you to keep your finger maybe in your worship guide because we're going to take a look not just at our lesson from Acts during this sermon, but we're also going to take a look at our other lessons as well. If you would, page 9, Acts chapter 1. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen, after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, It's not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. I love studying God's Word, and that should probably come no surprise to you as someone who is a pastor, your pastor, loves studying God's Word. I love taking the opportunity to get to study it with people, and one thing I really, really cherish as a pastor is that in those moments, which we can't overlook because it's a big deal when when people, when Christians gather together and study God's word, it's also a big deal when, when people are, are willing to ask their questions, even hard questions, it demonstrates that people care. Oftentimes it matters that people care a lot about whatever it is they're asking about. Maybe they care a lot about people most of the time. And though they don't realize it, when people ask good questions about their God, it, it shows they care about what His Word has to say. So I got to tell you about one of my favorite questions. I remember the first time, not the first time, but one of the most prominent times I was asked it. It was when a couple agreed to come to our foundations class. And We got together one afternoon, it was one of those unseasonably not humid July afternoons. We were sitting outside at one of my favorite spots here in Fredericksburg. We had small talk as we started the lessons, getting to know one another, first lesson. And then I kind of made a segue, made a demonstration that we're gonna move into the material. We were gonna talk about the reason we were gathered together here. And that's when the gentleman, one of the gentlemen there, stopped me and said, Up oh, before you go on, I have just one question. I have just one question. And to be frank, Pastor, depending on how you answer this, why well, might just get up and leave? What do you do with that? Well, his question is not an uncommon one. His question is one that a lot of people ask pastors. It's a question that usually comes up every time we study Lesson 3 in our Foundations class. Those of you who attended last week know this. Those of you who are watching this and taking Lesson 3 in the future know this. The question is this. What about people who haven't heard the gospel? What about people who don't know about Christianity? What about those people who who live on an island in the South Pacific or, or live in a forgotten jungle somewhere in South America? I mean, pastor, after all, we know this. Romans 10, faith comes from hearing the message. We know that the promised Holy Spirit works through the message of Christ, his word. He works through his sacraments, baptism, communion, to instill faith. We know this is how the Holy Spirit works. We know that there is no other name under heaven given by which people are saved than Jesus. We know Jesus is the only way to the Father, the way, the truth, the life. So so what about those people? What about people that don't know about Christianity? What about people in the farthest corners of the world? As he asked that question, I'll be honest with you, the first thing I did was pray. I prayed a lot, especially when there was the ultimatum put on the line. Depending on how you answer this, I I might just get up. I prayed that, well, the Holy Spirit would give me his words to answer this. And you want to know what I said? Well, I'm not really going to tell you because what I said doesn't really matter, but what God's word says in Acts chapter one matters. And it answers the question. Ascension answers that question that is burning on the hearts and in the minds of so many people. And this is why ascension is a really big deal. This is why Christ's ascension into heaven matters. Matters maybe even more than Christmas. There, I said it. Because what ascension matters, what ascension points us to, is that Jesus completed all of his work. So what we're going to do this morning is just that. We are going to look at that question and see how ascension answers it. What happens in Acts chapter 1 is this. Jesus rose from the dead 40 days previous on Easter. And then over the next 40 years, Jesus hung out with his disciples. He hung out with those who were his followers. And what did he do? He taught them about what scripture had to say. He spent time with them, giving them proof that he was alive and he fulfilled every promise that ever had been given about salvation. And then Jesus took his disciples to his favorite spot. Around Bethany, in the area of Jerusalem. And there they they talked about God's word. They talked about the kingdom of God. And he went up into heaven. But before he did, this is what he said. Are you ready? Verse eight, follow along. Page nine, Acts chapter one. Look at verse eight. It says this but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and you will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. Notice what he didn't say. He didn't say, well, you might be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. If you guys could just figure it out. He didn't say to his disciples, you will be my witnesses to the very ends of the earth if you train up enough missionaries and send them far enough. He didn't say, you will be my witnesses to the very ends of the earth if you guys just kind of figure out this this, the missional keys to success or or really figure out the, the magic bullet to evangelism. That's how you'll reach everybody. No, he says, you will. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and to the ends of the earth. So what about the people who live in islands in the South Pacific? What about people who live in forgotten and foreign countries and and far off and remote places? What about your own neighbors and friends in this community? Jesus says, you will be my witnesses to the very ends of the earth. Disciples had questions. They had they had questions before their teacher arose into heaven. And if they had some then, they now, can you imagine? They had more. Jesus, how's that gonna happen? Why should we just believe that? But Jesus answers that too. Did you catch the context of, of how and when Jesus gave that promise, gave that command? To be witnesses. What we have here in our lessons this morning is is something rather unique. We have back to back episodes that we all get to watch at once. We're kind of binge watching the ascension this morning. What you have in Luke chapter 24 is the gospel writer Luke writing about Jesus' ascension. And then in Acts chapter 1, he says, In my former book, Theophilus, in the last episode, Theophilus, here's the next episode any lost fans here okay it's kind of like the intro to every every single episode of the hit tv show lost previously on lost this is luke saying previously in the life of jesus remember what we all did last time we watched him teach we watched him rise from the dead we watched him then go and show people he rose from the dead now i'm going to build on this in episode 2 that's what's happening here jesus goes and he shows them all about everything that he's done for 40 days. Luke chapter 24, everything he teaches them must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law and the prophets and in the Psalms. And then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached just to a few close places? No. In his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem, you are witnesses of these things. Why is it, why will it be that Jesus can promise that repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in Jesus' name to all nations? Why is it he can promise that you will be his witnesses to the ends of the earth? There's a one-word answer. Easter because Easter happened. This is God's plan of salvation all along, that humanity who fell away from him would be rescued because the servant of the most high God, the son of the most high God, would come and suffer in their place. He would suffer for my sins And yours, but he wouldn't stay dead when he went into the grave. He would rise again and then he would show that he rose again to many people before he then ascended into heaven. And then this is all part of the plan. You will be his witnesses. You will be his witnesses to every corner of this world. Think about it from just this perspective. If Jesus kept his promise, to carry out the salvation of the world, if Jesus kept his promise to suffer for us and die for us, if Jesus then also kept his promise to rise for us, if Jesus then kept his promise that he would defeat death and the devil for us, if Jesus also kept his promise that he would forgive all of your sins, if Jesus then kept his promise that he would restore a relationship, a right relationship, between you and God? Let me ask you, do you think you can trust his promise that the message of forgiveness of sins will be preached to all nations? I mean, just picture for a moment that verse as a promise, verse eight of Acts chapter one as a promise that you will be my witnesses to the very ends of the earth. Yes, we look at the Great Commission and our purpose in life as a command, but it's a promise that you will be my witnesses to the very ends of the earth. It's a promise and it's a command. And and who gave this command? It is your ascended King. It is your risen Lord. How can you picture this person? How can you picture this Savior? Look at Revelation chapter 19. Do you know what his next name is? His nickname is Faithful and True. Do you know what he looks like? His eyes are like blazing fire and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in the blood of the enemies that he has conquered. And his name is the word of God. The armies of heaven follow him. Coming out of his mouth is a sword, and that sword is the word of God, which strikes down the nations. And on his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Let me ask you something. Can you picture this savior? Does it seem like someone who would ascend into heaven and go, oh, you're right, didn't really think through how we'd get the message of the gospel out to every corner. Does this sound like someone who goes, you know what, disciples? Yeah, you're right. I, I never really thought through how we, how we do that. Well, just go get after it. You know, some are better than none. Is that what we see pictured here? Hardly. This is our ascended king, our, our conquering hero, giving a promise and command that the message of forgiveness is yours, and it will go out. So to our question, what about people who live in remote places? What about people where I don't think Christianity has been? There's one way to answer it. Well, Jesus said it will. And Jesus, who has kept every other promise to forgive your sins and restore you to him, I think he'll keep this one too. Does that satisfy you? Does that quench your curiosity? I wouldn't blame you if it didn't. You'd be in good company. Jesus' disciples, they had a lot of questions. They had a lot of questions too. Acts chapter 1, they all gathered around him just before he ascended, and they asked him, Lord, are, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Can I explain to you what, what's taking place in that question? Throughout Jesus' ministry, Jesus, his disciples, good little Jewish boys and girls, were hoping that Jesus would be the liberator, to liberate them from Roman rule and establish a kingdom, establish the nation of Israel just like it had been. Jesus, are you going to do that now? Well, throughout Jesus' ministry, he had to tell them, no. That's not the kind of savior and hero I am. I am your savior from sin. I am the king whose kingdom is not of this world. I am the king who's gonna establish God's kingdom in your hearts through the gospel. And then Jesus accomplished that. He accomplished everything he said he would on Good Friday and Easter. And then he gave them many convincing proofs that he did it. And he taught them all about the kingdom of God for a period of 40 days. And then when he thought they finally got it, he said, I'm going to leave you and go into heaven. And they said, "Uh, well, uh, Jesus, before you go, one more thing about that kingdom. (laughs) Are you going to establish that now? Jesus said, no here's the point. We might not look at Jesus and think to ourselves, he's going to establish an earthly rule. But what his disciples demonstrate is far too often his disciples, they can be short-sighted. They can have expectations of Jesus and what he does and what he will do that aren't based on Jesus, but they're based on their expectations based on their own experiences. They can be so narrow-minded and think only about their lives and their nation and themselves. I don't think you are wondering if Jesus is going to establish an earthly nation anytime soon. But can his disciples be short-sighted? Can you and I be too narrow-minded about what Jesus can do and will do and even promise to do? Can we base our expectations of Jesus on our own limited experience? You think about the question we're considering, what about people? What about people who live in remote and far-off places? Does that question reveal short-sightedness? But consider it in those terms. Also consider it in other terms and, and promises that Jesus gives you. Let's list them. Jesus said, I am going to be with you always. Are we short-sighted and think, well, Jesus, how, how can you be with me now when when I feel like this? When I feel anxious and worried? Jesus said, I have forgiven all of your sins. Can we be too narrow-minded and think, Jesus, I don't think you've forgiven this one. Can we limit Jesus even when he's given us promises that he will be with you always, that he'll prepare a place for you in heaven, that he will rule all things for your eternal good, and he will never let his church crumble and fall? It's true. We can be so short-sighted. We can be so narrow-minded, even when we have the very promises of God. So how can Jesus' disciples overcome this short-sightedness? Well, the truth is, we can't. But Jesus promised, and Jesus gave someone who can and does Luke chapter 24, verse 45, Jesus said, I am going to send you what my Father has promised. And what has he promised? He's promised his Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. How is it? How is it that this is going to be accomplished? How is it that Jesus and his word will go out to every corner of this world? It's the same spirit who raised Christ Jesus from the dead. It's the same spirit when the waters of your baptism signed, sealed and delivered you as an adopted child of God. It's the same spirit by the power of his word comes to you and strengthens our faith when we hear the message of the gospel. It's the same spirit who implants on that on our heart that message of Christ for you. That same spirit who did all of that is gonna do all of this to get the message of the gospel to every nation, tribe, and people. Luke 24, verse 45 says, then he opened their minds so they could understand scriptures. What the Holy Spirit does, what the gospel does, and the Holy Spirit through that, is it moves us from being so short-sighted. It moves us from having tunnel vision that really only thinks about our experiences. It moves us from thinking narrow-mindedly about what God can and cannot do What the Spirit does is point us to His promises. So now what? Well, actually, that's what Ascension Day answers. It answers the so now what? Easter happened. So now what? What Jesus does before He goes into heaven is not just to explain what will happen next. what you will do next. Jesus gives his people a purpose. The resurrection of Easter, the Easter victory is proof that everything that Jesus ever said would happen, did happen. And now here's your role in God's salvation history. We are not victims of our circumstances that, oh no, how are we ever gonna share the gospel? No, we are victors in Christ because Jesus rose again and we have been given the gift, the privilege of being his ambassadors to carry that. Same passage, different emphasis. Look at Acts chapter one, verse eight. But you, but You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and to the ends of the earth. How is it that that Jesus we read about in Revelation chapter 19, your ascended, risen, conquering king is gonna carry out his promise? It's one word answer. You you and me who know that message of forgiveness will be witnesses of it to the very ends of the earth. And that brings up a whole lot of question, doesn't it? Like, well, we're all here. We all live in the Fredericksburg region. How, how is it that we are going to take the gospel out everywhere? Just look at this for a moment. Christ Jesus, who seemingly did the impossible with salvation, could he not do it now? Christ Jesus, who, who moved all in time in history to bring his Savior to the forefront to save you, look at it. he's brought about amazing technologies that spread the gospel unlike it's ever been able to before. He's blessed us with, with church bodies, a church body that we're a part of that sends out missionaries and, and translates the Bible and, and sends that out everywhere. Did you know that? Did you know that your church tithes or gives a mission offering? We give our offering to God so that more mission work can be done. You will be my witnesses. You will be my witnesses to the very ends of the earth. There's an old German proverb that says this, let everyone sweep in front of his own door and the whole world will be clean. Think about this. How is it that the gospel will go out? Well, it starts here in Fredericksburg. It it starts in, in front of our own homes to our neighbors and our friends and relatives. And when we all do that, the whole world will know that they have an ascended, risen king. And it's all because the same God who promised your salvation is the same God who came in Christ Jesus to accomplish your salvation and is the same spirit who fills you with the conviction, the faith, the trust that he carried out your salvation and empowers you to carry it to the whole world. I think it's interesting that the disciples, they, they needed to be reminded of this, not once, but twice in just 11 verses. Not only did Jesus have to say, guys, guys, trust me, I'll send you my savior. I'm not going to establish a kingdom here. But did you catch at the end of the verses, there they stood. As Jesus said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky, as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus has been taken from you into heaven. He will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Twice, the disciples had to have their eyes directed to the promise. To the promise that Jesus gave them to the promises that God's word has for them. And so it is with us. So often it's so easy to speculate and hypothesize about how this or that happens. And so what do we do? We we direct our eyes back to the promises, back to the words of your living ascended king you will be my disciples. You will be my witnesses to the very ends of the earth. Every nation will hear this message, sin's forgiven. When Jesus made this promise to his disciples, the Christian church, you want to know how big it was? It's probably not that much bigger than our church. Can you imagine how how they tried to wrap their heads around it? Like, Jesus, wait. To the very ends of the earth, but we just live all here in Jerusalem. How will anybody know? Jesus, his disciples, they couldn't picture it. They couldn't picture Jesus' victory march, his Easter victory going out everywhere. But because of ascension, because your Savior reigns, you can you can. And just like Jesus' disciples who, after he went up to heaven, they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and stayed continuing at the temple praising God, we can not just stay here praising God, but we can go forth praising God. May God grant it for Jesus' sake. Amen.